0: Don't turn your back on me. Don't you even try to walk away from me. Just who the hell do you think you are? Wait, I know what you think you are, what you want us to believe, but I don't buy it. For three years now, you've been pulling everyone's strings, getting us to do all the work, and you haven't done a damn thing, but stand there and look cryptic. Well, it's about time you started pulling your own weight around here. Impudent, incorrect. Leave now. No. Disobedience. Not yours. I don't have much time, son. I want you to know you were right. I didn't want to admit that. Just pride, I guess. You get my age, you get kind of set in your ways. That it had to be done. Don't blame yourself for what happened later. Dad, are you? You alright? Still wait for me. I'm sorry for what I did before. I knew what was ahead. I guess. I guess I was afraid. When you've lived as long as I have, you kind of get used to it. Uh, I wish I could have done more for you. Uh, There's so much I should have said. Now it's too late. Uh, You're right. It's time you begin fighting this war your way. got to go, John. No, no, don't don't leave. It's, it's all right, son. See, as long as you're here, I'll always be here. war rages on. None of us can stand up to those ships. Can a desperate captain separate his allies from his enemies? On an all-new Babylon 5.
1: You have transmissions holding.
0: Badge
2: incoming signal. Full audio and video decode.
0: Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the breakout.
1: out there in podcast land. Welcome to Gray 17, of Babylon 5 podcast, a part of the Front Road Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. We are a group of newbies watching Babylon 5 for the very first time and a bunch of old bees who are watching it for the umpteenth time. And this episode we probably watched more than most when we do our rewatches. We are here to talk about interludes and examinations. I'm Scott and with me is
2: Justin, Nicole, Blake,
3: Emily. Why do you all sound like that, Jesse?
2: Because we're in mourning. And Kevin. Because I'm not in mourning. I don't really.
1: (laughs) We'll get into the discussion on the episode in a minute, but just a reminder to please check out all the links down below. You'll see our social media accounts. We're on mainly Facebook. Twitter, because I refuse to fucking call it whatever Elon Musk wants me to call it. And then also Instagram. We're on threads too, but really I'm not even checking that, let's be honest. Along with that, if you are listening to the audio podcast, we do have a YouTube channel. And if you're watching on YouTube, we do have an audio podcast, all linked down below. Finally, if you could, please make sure you like, subscribe, follow, click all of the up arrows and such. It really does help us grow. And if you can... Please leave us a review, which I'll read one here in a moment. And then finally, we do have a link to our Patreon. There you will find our Discord, where... Who knows what folks are talking about right now, but we do have a spoiler section as well as a general section on our Discord, and any donation on Patreon will get you access to that. And thank you to our top-tier donors, the Gray Council, who are listed down below as our producers. So I mentioned, please leave reviews, especially on Apple. That very much helps us. And we got a new one in from Queen Ricky, so I'll read that now. Top-tier show is the title. We paid her off. I've been a fan of Babylon 5 since I randomly watched The Gathering when I was nine. I've always been a sucker for anything with a spaceship. That little girl had a great taste because this is a show that I've come back to many times over the years. I now have a podcast to watch along with. I often joke that my favorite genre of podcast is Babylon 5. I've been a podcast listener since before podcast was the agreed upon term and people still had iPods. So I've had seen dozens of shows covering the series come and go and Gray 17 is absolutely one of my favorites. Maybe even the favorite. It's a joy to hear a variety of different opinions and viewpoints in one show. There are so many episodes that I cannot wait to hear the newbies reaction to. Unfortunately, I have to do just that. I may not have been here from the beginning, but I'm definitely sticking around until the end. Best regards, Erica. Well, thank you, Erica. We really appreciate it. And hopefully we don't scare you off midway through.
4: You did not miss much in the beginning. Don't worry about it
5: that's first 10 episodes are you don't have to go back yeah
1: there's something (laughs) there's something
5: it happened it happened yeah (laughs) so
1: again please leave us reviews we'd love to read them and this was a five star so even better although some of the some of the one stars are kind of fun to read usually we let jesse read those
3: speaking of jesse you've returned i have Welcome, everybody that's never heard my voice. Hold on, you're fucking short.
5: Fucking missed you, Jesse.
3: <laughs> so happy to be back.
1: <laughs> well, we'll see about that. Okay, so Kevin, I believe you have a synopsis for interludes and examinations for us.
2: Garibaldi tries to get Franklin to face up to his stim usage. Londo waits anxiously for Adira to return. Morton returns first and manipulates the situation to his advantage. The Alliance asks Sheridan to prove he has forces equal to the shadows before they will commit. Sheridan calls on Kosh for assistance, but Kosh is resistant at first. Kosh finally agrees to help Sheridan and later pays the price for his involvement. Done,
1: done. Okay, so first thing we're going to do is go to our newbies and get their first reactions. But before we do that, Justin, my friend... My buddy, my pal, we have been waiting for this episode for a while. And when you go back and listen to Beyond the Rim, you're going to want to punch us in the face. Because, again, because for for months now, you've been saying how Kosh is your favorite character. Mm. And then you've been saying how... And you've been saying how Kosh has been missing lately and you really wish Kosh would show up again. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. you said I think you said that about three weeks ago, and we said in the Beyond the Rim, well, he'll show up and die in three episodes. So
5: fucking bullshit.
1: Justin, would you like to give your first impressions?
5: Yeah, fuck this episode. <laughs> fuck this episode with the Hearts and dildo. Um, yeah, I got exactly what I wanted. I, um, yeah, it's been several episodes now that I've been asking, when is Kosh going to come back? Where the hell is Kosh? I've been posting the Facebook group. What do you want out of this season? I said, I want to know where the hell is Kosh. And I got exactly that. So I didn't know Kosh would get Koshed. And yeah, that's, I'm in a really bad fucking mood tonight. So, (laughs) but anyway. Uh,
1: I think we have some requests from the audience of what exactly is a Centauri dildo like?
5: Um, well, if I had to guess from the list that Veer was trying to give that broker about all of the different lingerie and things, if I had to guess what a Centauri dildo looked like, it'd be something like a cat of nine tails. This is
1: the hard hitting conversations that you come to expect from Gray 17. No,
5: this is culture. This is culture, man. And the best part is, is he's describing a
4: Centauri dildo. My dog's playing with a squeaky toy in the background. <laughs> <laughs> let's it. keep
1: on rolling. Uh, let's go to Jesse next, who has been gone for a while. So, Jesse, before we get going, I would love to hear from you on the four or five episodes that you've caught up on. Just real briefly and then dive into this one.
3: Um, Was I supposed to watch all of them? I'm kidding. <laughs> I just watched today's and I was done. No, it's it's definitely gotten um a little spicy. It was nice to be able to watch all of the episodes back to back and not have to wait. There were a couple of times I should have written them down written them down because there were a couple of times that somebody said something and I'd be like, "Oh, Justin or oh, Emily or oh, Nicole said that." And then and then I forgot who they are. So, um today's episode uh was shit. People came and they died and then it was over and then franklin quit that sums up the whole fucking episode and i was so i did my reaction video you're all welcome and you're gonna see lots and lots and lots of cussing
1: you're all welcome girl preach Mm. well this is listed as an explicit episode so we'll be
5: fine
3: yeah morning came back and i cussed at him like through the entire episode so
5: my last probably 10 15 minutes of my uh, reaction video was just straight up cussing and shouting to the sky, why, God, why? So, ¿Por qué? <laughs> So. <laughs> That's yeah, why that for the was...
3: Spanish illiterate girl. ¿Dónde yeah. los baños?
5: <laughs> That's all I got. But yeah, that was, uh, this is a rough one, man. This is a rough one. It was. Emily, first impressions.
3: Well, a
6: lot of shit happened. <laughs> Yeah, there's just a lot going on and I can't say much of it was um, positive, although it was sad to see Franklin leave. I'm glad he finally acknowledged that he did have a problem and hopefully he's going to get himself pulled back together.
1: And actually, first, Emily, you, you said a few weeks ago that you aren't a fan of episodes that are momentous. You like the more side quests. So how do you feel about this non side quest?
6: I mean, I still like the side. <laughs> you can blame my brain for that one. It's a little dysfunctional. Um, no, it was good. I, I'm pissed about Adira though. Like she deserved better. Yeah.
1: We did get to see the kiss again. The best kiss on B five.
6: <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> Nic- Nicole, first impressions.
7: I actually wrote that down. I said the fucking kiss that won't go away, and I started
3: oh. and I put your name next to it, Scott i was like still creepy second time around (laughs) still fucking equally creepy and i said that in my video i was like oh that's still Mm -hmm. as uncomfortable as the first time i saw it nope exactly i I Uh, I just ignored that whole montage because i was like nope we're not gonna pay attention
1: my ambassador
6: yeah it was still weird um okay
7: So overall the episode, um, this was wild. I mean, I'm really sad to see two main people gone. Um, obviously Kosh got Kosh as Justin said, which was sad. And the, the, I feel like the relationship between Sheridan and Kosh, uh, was kind of summed up in this one because Well, i will talk a little bit more about it later, but the vision that Sheridan had, I felt like that was so authentic on how maybe Kosh feels about him. And it really made me like a little emotional, um, Because, you know, you knew Kosh was dying while this was happening. And I knew it was Kosh as the vision of his dad. So that was really a really good episode or a good good, um, scene in the episode. Um, And then the Franklin stuff. I mean, you know, when he had his little meltdown in the beginning and Garibaldi witnessed it. And, you know, he kept coming for him and trying to talk to him and uh, stuff like that. I'm really glad that Franklin came around on his own and kind of got his head out of his ass and realized he had a problem. Really, really sad to see him resign, though. Um, Also shirtless franklin he was buff as hell right i was right. like oh, damn i'm like damn daddy you have that underneath your shirt like <laughs>
2: that was airbrushing that was airbrushing see it.
7: yeah i was like can we see that again rewind i nicole, was very impressed <laughs> nicole
1: i have to stop you there there is already somebody who has claimed the daddy title and it's not franklin i know
7: it's kevin i know i'm sorry sorry kevin <laughs> but i was actually this is a hot take and i know i'm gonna get some hate for this i was almost more sad to see franklin go than Cash. Mm. sorry justin just because i mean can, I we, can knew... we just
5: kick her off the episode now
7: <laughs> well no. i knew something bad was gonna happen to kash i just knew once he did that he sealed his fate you know what i mean but franklin leaving i mean he could have taken an absence and got help or do you know what i mean i don't know i just thought i just thought it was so sad because it was such a almost like a moment of despair for him. So it was almost, I mean, dying is sad, obviously, but I feel like his situation was sadder. Like he had to make himself leave something he truly loved, you know? And I don't know. It just made me sad. So you can hate on me if you want. Uh, What is our email address? Gray (laughs) 17?
1: Gray 17 podcast at (laughs) gmail.com.
7: But yeah, that was my first impression. And Oh yeah. Fuck Morton right up his ass. I hate that dude.
1: With some diamonds.
7: Yes. Yeah. What the fuck was that all about? The whole diamond trade thing going on, and also shady secure, shady count. That security guard, he was shady.
1: Called it right. Was, off the bat. was is the inf- uh, the term there? Since uh, yeah, he's no yeah. longer with us.
7: Yeah, okay. So I, shady count was going
2: off.
1: Let's go ahead and go to our oldbies who have watched the entire series. And Kevin, first impressions.
2: Well, I wouldn't say that this episode is enjoyable it is well done and i i like the episode and it's definitely one that you're going to rewatch um this episode is is tough especially by the end of it you you have cautious fate you've got franklin's uh, consequences coming to him it's uh it's it's a rough one but i like I like the direction on this episode. The the beginning kind of montagey kind of thing is very cool. I like how the director did the the end scene with Sheridan's father. Uh I liked um I liked how they did the how they filmed the murder scene. I thought that was well done. Again, not exactly an enjoyable episode, but a well done one for sure like
4: yeah i I think this is one of those episodes where JMS does this thing where he puts out these dull titles and even said this you know back on the usenets he puts out kind of these dull sounding titles and these are kind of the ones where you have to watch where he's going to sneak up behind you and hit you with something uh that he's been building up to and there's a lot of things that have been building up to this episode over the last you know season and a half even from the beginning that have been building into this so i think this is an extremely well done episode uh i really do like londo in this one too I mean, you see that final kind of he hits that rock bottom point in this one um, after the death of Adira when it's, you know, let my people be safe. Let me take out that motherfucker and everything else can burn. I mean, he's just there. It's done. Anything else can burn as far as he cares at this point. So I really do enjoy this episode. It's one of the ones if I'm doing a quick rewatch I just what I hit a few key episodes. This is one of the ones I'm always uh, going back to.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned the P5 score a lot, which is a lurker's guide. And this is the top ten episode of the series. It is rated a 9.31 out of 10. That being said, we still have two more episodes this season that score higher. So... More to come. Yeah, for me, this is one of my favorites. We get a lot of good interaction between Sheridan and Kosh. I think this is some of Bruce Boxleitner's best acting. Uh, He gets pissed off, and he looks like he's pissed off. And then also with this, you get Franklin, who you guys, I think when you go back and listen to the show from the beginning and watch B-5 from the beginning, you'll see that this has been set up for a long time. Franklin's God complex and his drug use go hand in hand, and it has been a slow burn, probably slower than you would have liked because a lot of you dogged on Franklin in first and second season, but here we are. The fire is now lit, and Franklin is resigned, so that's a huge piece, and then also, uh, as Blake just mentioned, the Londo turn, this, I mean, we've seen Londo fall and spiral and fall, but this is really, truly where uh, a nail in the coffin for Londo as a good guy, because now he's just like, let it all burn. I don't care. Let's go ahead and start talking about the episode proper. And Justin, you can start.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, while you're talking on the Londo subject, it was definitely like I was still one of those few people that was holding out hope that Londo would come around. I was hoping Londo would be a redemption story, but you can definitely tell in this episode he's lost. He's gone. And he got played like a fucking fiddle. So it's, it breaks my heart because I was really hoping for him to come back and, you know, redeem himself, maybe join the good side. But You know, it's all the what ifs of Darth Vader and everything like that. It's just sometimes you can't rescue the villains and they are just who they are. And to me, this this signals kind of the death knell for for Londo's uh, villainy. So, yeah, that's that was a really heartbreaking story. It makes me it's I love sympathetic villains. I've said this before. But to me, this really kind of made me feel for him and really bad, but it's, yeah, he's he's gone, he's done.
1: Now we get to have the fun of you've done the full tilt and now he cannot be redeemed. So let's see what happens. Let's see. Emily, you're up.
6: Um, I was frustrated. I think we'll go with frustrated that Londo knows Morden is a lying piece of shit. He's a liar, he's a manipulator, and he's fucking shitty. And he stood there like, oh yeah, this was Rifa when it was fucking him, because we saw him doing shady shit. And then Londo just believes it. Like, he's so upset, he isn't seeing what's going on right in front of his face, which was, this was a fucking setup. So he would go back to Morden and be like, yeah, burn it all to the ground and fuck everybody else. And it was so just so frustrating to watch him play right into that so well. It's like, man, dude, you like this isn't your first time around the block. You've been around long enough. You've been part of the schemes long enough. Like you should be able to see this for what it is. And you don't.
4: But I think this is some of the writing because we see that happen in shows and other shows where someone loses someone and Star Trek's infamous for this and other genre shows too is You lose someone, but you're still right there being the rational thinking character. I think the writing on this has Londo in that moment of, we see it as the audience, but Londo as a character just lost the one thing he ever truly loved. He's not thinking rationally. You know, he's not sitting there having that thought of, this guy's a lying bastard. It's, I want everything to burn and let everything go. And he can do that. Jesse.
3: Okay. Unpopular opinion, but... This is the definition of karma is a bitch. Like it was heartbreaking. And I feel like if Londo was Dylan, I would have been like, oh, like I was sad that Adira died, but not so much sad for Londo because as he was sitting there and he's like, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. I've just, this brings me joy. And then she dies. And I'm like, karma seems to have like bit you straight in the ass, sir. You just killed. Millions of people, and here we are, no joy for you. So it was heartbreaking, but I feel like if it was anybody else, it would have been more so. So, Nicole, yeah, I gotta
7: say, I, I'm with Emily on the fact that it was really frustrating to see him play into Morden's ploy. Um, because I don't think Rifa would have the balls to do that, but also, does Rifa even know about his affair with Adira? Like, who, like, there's no confirmation that it's a common knowledge that he and Adira were a thing. You know what I mean? So to look at it logically and knowing who Morden is and knowing who Rifa is, I would would see right through his bullshit. But also, like Blake said, sometimes when you are in that moment of grief, you're not thinking straight. So it was really infuriating to see Morden's cocky, snarly, fucking smiling face like, oh... I'm here for you. We'll do whatever you need, blah, blah, blah. Fuck off. Like, I hate that guy so much. He's a manipulative asshole. And Lando ate right out of the palm of his hand. So now Londo not only made his bed earlier and he lied in it, now he's making it again. And he's about to fucking lie on some shit. So I just think it's going to get completely worse from this point on for anything regarding Londo or the Centauri. And it's just really frustrating because it's like, we know the truth, but he is so hellbent on revenge that he can't think of anything else but hurting everybody else you know so definitely a turn like justin said this was kind of i think this is kind of a catalyst for a new direction for Lando that we're going to see and it's not a good direction and i just think this is going to be kind of the thing that sets him off the deep end even further and gets him even more in bed with the shadows
2: gavin yeah I don't think any one of us is going to say that if Adira had lived that he would have suddenly been you know a good guy you know happy go-lucky not interested in power and evil but that was certainly where he turned as soon as this happened and it it really feels like it's revealing to where Londo really is and what he's drawn to and the fact that he he turns immediately to revenge because he feels like he cannot be outfoxed or outflanked uh, by the guy that he believes is the problem that he is so blind to the guy in front of him being the master manipulator it's it's sad you know that that it went this way but it 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 is really fascinating, you know the the turn that that it takes with this, and the direction that he's gone up until now, Justin.
5: I mean, I see what this for for what it is. It's it's all lie on Morden's part because honestly, I really don't believe Rifa honestly had anything to do with it. I think Morden told Londo exactly what Londo needed to hear, and also Morden told Londo exactly what. He wanted. He said in the episode, they want a voice and an an ear in the royal court. So, how are they going to achieve this? They're gonna. He successfully turned Londo into a weapon that they'll that he will then unleash onto the rest of the royal court. And maybe this is where we see Emperor Londo come to power because we've had this prophesized to us before. So it's. I mean, honestly, Londo completely one hundred percent God made got made in this and Morden is taking advantage and using now Londo as a puppet because, you know, it's what Morden does. And he dangles everybody's little sweet affections in front of their face. And then at the end of the day, uses that to destroy them. So what did that one security guy, now did security guy actually die?
1: I mean, he was laying there with his eyes open
5: and looked pretty dead But then he came in there, and it's like we'll take him in there, and then the one chick doctor went and took him away. But no, it's a different
6: security guard. Was
5: it a different guy from the beginning?
1: Yeah, it was because that one was beat up down below, and he looked like his face was beat up and everything. A different. I thought
5: it was the same guy. Okay, never mind then. Scratch edit. Go ahead and cut that out, Scott.
1: (laughs) No, I know.
5: I refuse. I know that's your favorite words. (laughs) But anyway, going back to Londo. I mean, honestly, Mordens at this point going to use Lando to completely destroy the Centauri Empire. So all of Lando's prophecies, he is he is steering right in the path of what the Emperor's wife told him not to go. So it's going to be it's it's going to be heartbreaking to watch.
1: Nicole,
7: I would say this whole situation and everything too also shows kind of how selfish Lando is because um, from the beginning he's been very self-serving, kind of selfish with the guise of it's all for the centauri to bring the centauri to the top and this and that but really it's all about bringing him to the top and giving him notoriety and clout and things like that so it really this whole like shift to revenge and like burn the world down all this it just goes to show how selfish as a, a person that londo is um you know i think that he is so in every endeavor he's had he's been so dead set on making himself look good and he even said it's all about appearances you know what i mean so it this kind of what's the word i'm looking for solidified the fact that a lot of what he does is for appearances and that he is just
6: kind of selfish overall who's
1: next anybody
6: oh i got something it might be unpopular do it that's not about londo speak right seriously fuck sheridan for not listening to kosh <laughs> he was i get it he was angry he was in his emotions he wants that like he needs the group to get together be cohesive to fight the shadows kosh was standing there we know kosh doesn't say anything outright he always talks in like riddles and hints at shit whatever he was standing there trying to tell sheridan this will kill me if i do it and sheridan was just like yeah okay i understand you won't be there like just isn't gonna fucking show up because he doesn't feel like it like really dude and even later, it takes him in a dream to be like, oh, that's what he meant. Like, come on. You're smarter than that. You couldn't have figured it out. I was really irritated by that. I was watching that whole episode. I'm like, Kosh is telling you it's he's going to die. And that's why he won't be there to help you. And while you'll be going alone and you're acting like a little brat.
2: But remember, Kosh does also say at the end, this was the right call. i am just set in my ways... And I didn't want to see, but this this was the right call to get everything together.
6: Yeah, I was just annoyed at, like, Sheridan's apparent refusal to actually hear what he was being told.
2: Yeah, he just misinterpreted it. But I, I see your point.
6: Because you know Kosh doesn't get me straight up. True. <laughs> we We know that. You know you gotta try to see below what he's telling you. And it was like Sheridan just didn't feel like putting in the effort. Justin?
5: I mean, I don't know if it's something about Sheridan didn't want to put in the effort, but it's Sheridan was a 100% desperate man. Desperation is a huge mental hindrance to anyone. Yes. So, like, Sheridan's at that point where he is on the verge and even, like, the the scene where Delenn comes down in the CIC and he's you know, going over everything and she's like, you're working too much, you're working too hard. And he confides in her. He doesn't see a way they can win. Like he's, you know, he's, a, even he says himself, like, I, I have a few ideas. Maybe I have maybe something we can try, but he feels like, and it's like, I don't know if you want to call it imposter syndrome, but he is sitting there in this, in this guy's that he feels like he's being dishonest with everyone because he's trying to, you know, kumbaya and sis boomba and trying to rally all the troops together. But then at the end of the day, he doesn't honestly think they can win. So then when Delenn tells him, you'll find a way, you'll find a way, and he gets that point, oh, everybody is like sounding like Kosh now. And then you kind of see the light bulb go off in his head. I really think that he. He went to Kosh, expecting Kosh, because apparently at at some point a long time ago, which again, me being super frustrated, doesn't see where Kosh was supposed to be teaching Sheridan everything Sheridan needs to know to destroy the shadows. But then we don't see kind of anything that's come to fruition of that. So Sheridan goes to Kosh in desperation. It's like, I need your help. We need a forlorn attack on the shadows. We need to have some kind of victory to get everyone else on our side. And Kosh says no, you, you know, and it's still just being Kosh about it. You're not ready. We're not ready. Whatever's not ready. It's not going to happen. And honestly, it was Sheridan felt like this was his last act. So when he was told no, I, I understand him flipping his shit and getting upset and everything like that. And, you know, as much as I love Kosh, I've been saying for, you know, a long time, Kosh is my homeboy. I was even kind of going, what are you doing, Kosh? Why won't you help out? And then it was it was something that I felt was very humanistic between the two, even though when Kosh is like attacking Sheridan against the wall and stuff like that. But it was him trying to impress upon him. I think both actually, both characters impressing upon the others the seriousness of the situation that they're in. And at the end of the day, Kosh even had to admit, Sheridan, you were right. And I was wrong. And that was, that was something I 100% wasn't expecting. And it was really a deep, heart touching moment. But I really think that it was all of that whole scene was just an act of desperation.
7: Nicole. Yeah. I thought the scene between Sheridan and Kosh in the hallway was really, um, powerful and interesting it was the first time you kind of see sheridan lose his shit and lose his cool and like justin said kind of act desperate like go ahead and kill me i'm gonna die anyway blah 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 like he really felt like he was at the end of his rope and seeing cash kind of like you know try to you know zapped him a little bit zapped him a little more and he just kind of like tried to get him to stop and like kind of retaliate a little bit and cash got upset in his own way of you know getting upset it was really cool to kind of see that like you know, scene build and, you know, he had Sheridan up against the wall and Sheridan's like, do it, go ahead, kill me. Cause I'm not leaving. And I'm not going to stop until you say yes or whatever. And then Kosh just kind of resigned and said, I'll do as you ask, you know? And he even said, you don't understand, but you will like, why I won't be there and why you can't like, so he told him flat out, like you don't get it now, but if I do this, this is basically my death warrant. Like Emily said, you know, and, but he didn't put two and two together. And then when the dream sequence happened and Kosh came to him in the form of his dad, I felt really a little emotional during that scene because I felt like the way that Kosh was talking to him um, through his vision of his dad, I felt like almost that's kind of how Kosh felt about him. Like, I feel like him and Kosh, even though we didn't see a lot of on-screen, like the training he was supposed to do and the knowledge, I feel like he had a, a liking to Sheridan and he had like a faith in him and like a almost like a bond or a connection with him more than anybody else that you see on the station. And I felt like the fatherly talk he was giving him was coming from from Kosh like I don't know if he has a heart but like coming from him emotionally and it was really kind of touching because you know you had the juxtaposition of the fight between them and then like the you know Kosh zapping him and them arguing and then you had this like tender moment where he's like you were right I was just afraid and then when he sat up and said Kosh like it was just oh you know because we knew what was happening and it was just really touching, um, and I thought that like it was the way that it was done was really, um, really nice. I don't know, tasteful, I guess. Um, just the the kind of two scenes, if you compare them, and like the meaning, like the meaningfulness of them. I just thought it was a really great sequence from one scene to the other. He's talking to him as he's getting killed, you know, and it was just really. I don't know. It made me a little emotional. So um, yeah, it was a uh, think that Sheridan. Just needed something to hold on to and Kosh was reluctant and then now that they did that and and the people are a little bit more willing to join and people have a little bit more hope because what it all comes down to is Sheridan felt hopeless I think and there was no hope in the situation and that gave people a little bit of hope and a little something to hold on to and that's what he really needed and Kosh knew that if he gave that to him he would die so it was really a hard it was basically Kosh sacrificed himself to give people hope essentially. And it's kind of beautiful if you think about it. It's sad, but it's kind of beautiful.
1: It's beautiful, and it also confirms that Emily is a hundred percent wrong. Kevin, what do you got?
2: So when they they filmed that scene, which you know kind of lasts a while, it's not a short scene by any means, especially for a conflict scene. They so they have a guy that's in the the walking costume that is Kosh, and it's certainly not the guy that does the voice. The guy's name is jeffrey willerth and he he does the lines while he's acting with with box uh, but of course then it gets voiced over later and Boxleitner says that when he he films a, a scene like this he likes to take it to the limit and then kind of bring it back, and have have the director say, "Okay, that was that was t- too far. Let's bring it back just a little bit, of, uh, just a little bit." Because he likes he likes that part of the the process to know how far is too far, and then and then bring it back instead of building it up slowly. This was one of the the few scenes in five years that JMS said, "Hey, that was a great scene." Because that's just not JMS's way. Um, He he doesn't usually give a lot of feedback, especially direct feedback. But this is one of the few times where he did get that.
5: So he knew that it was exactly how JMS wanted it. Justin. I mean, I agree with Nicole that I think that cautious sacrifice was meant to be a catalyst. It's going to be like something where... I don't want to say that Kasha ends up becoming a messianic figure because I don't necessarily think that's true. But I think that at the end of the day, that Kasha's sacrifice, I think, is what's going to help propel everyone else to unify and fight the shadows going forward. Now, I have one other question, though, because it was something I noticed during this episode that I have not noticed previously. And I just want to know if this is true or am I just batshit crazy like usual? When Tosh- Could speaks, be both. Could be both. Honest, fair, I will not admit to be a sane person by any stretch of the imagination.
1: None of us will. So,
5: when Tosh speaks, especially during the scenes with Sheridan, does it sound like there's like a thousand voices speaking yes. behind him?
3: And it's creepy as fuck.
1: That's literally been his
5: voice since every the Every
7: time. Yeah, every time he speaks it's like that.
5: Then why have I- God, why have I not noticed that before today? Yeah, because uh no. because I was sitting there like that, I guess today was the first time I heard it. And to me, it's almost like is this is the is all the Vorlons speaking through Kosh? And I guess write that down for questions and predictions, but is like is is Kosh's voice all of the Vorlons speaking through him?
3: It sounds and like women screaming, it creeps me out.
5: And it's like it's it's a thousand voices speaking through him. And it's like, is this like a, we are group situation.
1: We are the world. What? Oh, sorry. Right.
5: We are the, you know, and it's like, is it, is it all? Yeah. It's that's, I guess maybe tonight was the first night that I actually noticed that all the voices behind him, almost like screaming with every word that Kosh speaks. And it was just, it just hit me a lot harder in this episode than it did in any, any other.
1: Yep, nope. Go back to The Gathering. It's always been his voice. But I'm glad you noticed it as he dies. That's good. Jesse.
3: I thought back to the Who Are You and What Do You Want episode when Kosh's encounter suit got done in. Like, when I was watching it, I was like, "Oh, is it round two? And then he fucking died. I was, mm mm-mm. I hate Morden with, like, every ounce of my soul. And to watch him be able to get some satisfaction out of all, like, out of kosh of all people, it just pissed me off.
5: Killing a fucking Vorlon. Yeah,
3: Gosh. Like,
5: fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Like, yeah, I'm so... I hate... Okay, I hate this episode for all the right reasons. <laughs> because it... Yes, my favorite character in the show fucking dies. But not only that, like, Morden, no. the dumb piece of shit that he is ends up kind of winning the episode, and it's just, oh, it's just so infuriating. It's, the honestly, the night is darkest before the dawn, so I really hope things will come around, but it's, yeah, this was a, it's a wonderful episode. It'll probably go in my top 10 favorites of all time, but I hate this episode at the same time.
7: Cool. Well, if you notice too, Morden didn't come by himself. He brought, like, a bunch of those little shadow fuckers with him. He couldn't take on or kill um, Kosh himself. He had to bring back up. So I thought of that too, Jesse, when he went to go greet him, I was like, oh shit, they're going to fight again. But then when I saw all the little shadow fucks popping out, I'm like, oh, what a pussy. He brought all this back up. He can't fight his own battle. Um, but yeah, uh, I definitely feel like that was the intention was to kill him. But Morton knew he couldn't do it himself, so he had to bring back up.
1: Two questions. Nicole, for you, you said that he brought back up he always has the shadows with him.
7: Right. But they don't show themselves normally in this situation. You saw them like physically coming in and and, like going to go after Mm. Kosh. Like, I know they're always with him and they're whispering Mm -hmm. in his ears, but like, and like there was that one scene where he was in that boardroom or whatever. And then they all kind of appeared. But Mm -hmm. typically when he's talking to Lando or Sheridan or whoever, you don't see them. You just Mm -hmm. know that they're whispering in his ear, but this was like a manifestation of them. Kind of like when he entered the room, you saw them kind of physically manifesting to go after Crash. So I thought that was a little bit of a different situation.
1: Gotcha. The other thing for everybody, uh, so you guys have seen the shadows a couple times now, but this is the clearest you've seen of them. And uh, I'm interested for the newbies. What do you think of the design? Because this is the first time we flat out like we've seen everything. Unless you're like, Justin, you Google the shadow action figure, because I know you
5: did. I know you did actually i did not (laughs) i wanted to with every fiber of my being because i want to find a way to procure such figure and i i may or may not have gone to all my local toy stores here in indianapolis and asked do you have any babylon five figures hard to actually no one locally has anything babylon five maybe that's a good
4: thing maybe that's a bad thing Justin, your next one should be to visit the other toy stores and ask them about Centauri
5: dildos. Let us know how that goes.
1: Please I'll it. just go just go to the Lions uh, Tent. It'll be fun.
5: No, not even Lion's Den. I'll just go to a Rencon and ask for, you know, a cat of nine tails.
1: Along with Excalibur, since apparently that's where yeah. you buy those two.
5: Yeah, exactly. It's all good. Yay. I'll just I'll just glue a bunch of dildos to a cat of nine tails and then we'll make a video of me whipping around my head, and that's a Centauri dildo. Jeebus.
1: <laughs> okay. So anyone else want to discuss the shadows and how they look. Yes.
7: <laughs> to answer your question, Scott. Um please. I thought, they, babe, please. <laughs> I thought they just looked like the ships, but walking. You know what I mean? They are creepy looking. Um, they look like the ships do, but just like with little legs and they like walk like little like they remind me of like roach spiders. Like just I want to squish them. Like, ugh. They just really I don't like them. Give me the heebie the jeebies. G-
1: Emily.
6: I said they looked like robotic spiders. When you see, how do I want to explain it? My brain's shutting down. I've been awake too long. Like when they talk about like robots doing stuff and they'll make like the little robotic dogs to do things or like they're trying to test human movements and stuff. That's what they remind me of is like someone took one of those little tester robotic things, turned it into a spider, painted it black and made it make little zappy noises which i thought was interesting that londo could actually hear them communicating with morden but not knowing that's what was happening did he not know well he was looking around like i'm hearing this noise but i don't know what it is and i can't see anything so see, i saw
1: i saw peter play it differently he's looking and he's just like yeah i know they're there oh. That's how, I, that's how I read it, and I don't have any spoilers or anything, I'm just saying, I mean, just the way he played that, he looks, he hears them, he's not shocked, he's not scared, he's not inquisitive, he's just like, yeah, I hear him, so what,
4: Blake? Going back to Just's comment on voices, and even though we bullshit him for weeks about this, Kosh was revealed to appear to others in an angelic form, wings included. But when we think about the Bible and think about the multiple voices, though, because there's multiple references throughout Scripture across multiple faiths of angels speaking with a heavenly host of voices. So it would make sense then almost in that voice, you know, if Vorlons have appeared to these other races as, you know, angelic forms or religious figures, that same type of thing could apply within the voice when they speak as well, even when filtered through the encounter suits. So just wanted to touch on that as throw that thought in your head on the voices, too, is that could be just part of how the Vorlons want to present themselves to
5: others. I would 100% agree with that, like, because, I mean, they're setting it up to be that the Vorlons were maybe the human um, stories of angels within the biblical terms. So, yeah, that makes 100% sense to me.
1: Anybody else want to talk about Kosh or anything that happened there? The one thing I want to say real quick is I love and I don't know if this was intended or not, and I can't find a reference to it. But we just had a few, well, a couple months ago, passing through Gethsemane, where Brother Edward was wondering if he could know his death was coming and stand up to it and stay there and wait for it. Kosh had the very same thing happen to him this episode. He knew what was going to happen. And instead of deciding if he wanted to prolong it, maybe fly on his ship for a bit and disappear, he just stood in his quarters and waited. He had a brother Edward moment. I love the little symmetry there.
3: Space Jesus.
1: Space Jesus. Him and Keffer off in the sun together.
3: Exactly. What's Lita gonna do? be a single mom for her and gosh's little
1: little gill babies? Who knows? We'll find oh, out. She
3: is gonna be a single mom.
1: Ah <gasps> to predictions.
3: Will the new Horlon step in? and? Boom?
6: I thought
1: you said the new Horlon for a second.
6: <laughs> I mean, we chicken brown cow. I wouldn't be sad about it, but no. <laughs> Not exactly what I said. <laughs>
1: it's been a long day and a long month yeah. and a long year. <laughs> you were saying, Emily.
6: <laughs> I don't know. I got fucking distracted. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a, been a long day.
1: So the one that we, we've talked about, Lando, we've talked about Kosh and Sheridan. The one that we haven't talked about yet, except for in First impressions, is the good doctor, Dr. Franklin. I'd love to hear from you all on that. Nicole?
7: I just want to reiterate one more time how he looked with no shirt on. I decided to get that out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was really, I mean, this, like you said, Scott, this has been a very slow burn, and we've seen this drug use over time starting to get to Franklin and deteriorate him a little bit. And when he lost a shit in the med lab and gave the wrong PSI and went off on the doctor and went off on Garibaldi, like the biggest, the biggest sign that you have a problem is when somebody who loves you confronts you and you basically flip out on them and, and push them away and, you know, get aggressive or whatever, which is exactly what he did to Garibaldi when he approached him to, you know, try to help him And, you know, coming from Garibaldi, who has a substance abuse problem himself with alcohol, he would be the one to notice the red flags and the signs the most out of anybody. And I thought like when he was gonna look up the Franklin's blood and he stopped, um, I thought, I'm like, oh man, why did he stop? But I think that he didn't wanna invade his friend's privacy and he, he, cause he knew he had his number, you know? But like, also I feel like he didn't want to invade his friend's privacy because once he fractured that, trust he probably knew there would be no going back and thought maybe he wouldn't be able to help him that's just kind of what i took from that moment um and then franklin came in and caught him and was like why didn't you do it you know and he's like well you know basically franklin was like i looked up my own numbers and you were right and he finally admitted and realized that he had a problem which i kind of saw coming when they had the rebirth ceremony when he said to delenn i think i might have a problem um, i figured this was going to escalate a little bit further Um, I did not expect him to resign, however. Um, I did figure he would talk to Sheridan unless, you know, um, Garibaldi did, but I'm glad that he was the one to talk to Sheridan and be open and honest about it. I just wish maybe he would have taken a break and gotten help or something or taken a leave or instead of just resigning. But I I think what he said, he's got a lot of stuff to figure out. And like you said, with his God complex and his drug use, it kind of goes hand in hand. I think Franklin does have a lot to kind of sort out and figure out. I'm hoping this won't be the last we see of him, because I like him. I've always liked him, even though he had some moments that were problematic. Overall, I've always liked Franklin, so I really hope that we see him again, and I hope he gets his shit together. But the whole, you know, from beginning to end, like with Garibaldi and him, like it was it was really touching to see Garibaldi trying to help him, because he knew, like, what he was going through. So I just... It was another sweet reminder of their kind of friendship too, which was kind of nice.
2: Kevin. I really got to hand it to the writing on this one because, and, and the acting uh, is also top notch. Um, Cause I, I saw some writing where Richard Biggs talks about this and he's like, well, it, it never works where someone else tells you you're, you're an addict almost never, you know, it's, it's always gotta be something that is the, the rock bottom catalyst for, um, Getting getting better, or at least realizing that you have a problem, and you you got to hand it to Franklin. It was almost losing a patient that woke him up to okay, there's there's really something going on here, and it's it's a sad story, but it's a well written you know story because you know addiction doesn't happen overnight. So the fact that this has been a you know almost a full three season burn on this is pretty realistic and it's great writing
3: jesse i found it interesting that the conversation was going on between garibaldi and him because garibaldi in real life was an actual addict so it was it was interesting to watch him confront a character when in real life he was probably going through similar things um point number two and this is where you need to hold on to your fucking shorts kids i didn't ever like franklin and i'm not sad to see him go i'm kind of actually interested to see who replaces him so um we'll see what happens he's no longer with us correct
1: yeah unfortunately richard biggs passed away several years okay. ago
3: i assumed heart, that heart, you would be
1: yeah hard uh, interviewing
3: him after i said i hated him mm, so. sadly no don't hate him as a person just didn't like his character much
4: yeah Blake. so i think with the scene with franklin and garibaldi i love that bit from garibaldi when after he doesn't do it and franklin asks why and it's you know after everything we've been through if you can't trust me and you can't talk to me what's the point
7: right
4: um and it's just that kind of revelation from garibaldi of you know if you're not going to help yourself i can't do it for you and just that whole the whole power and the dynamic of that scene the two acted it very well Mm -hmm. you know one and one of it is knowing what jerry doyle was in his real life You've got addiction in the background of Garibaldi as a character. And then even, you know, it's been a while since we've referenced JMS's book on this show, but you read through JMS's own experiences through his own family with various forms of substance abuse and the impacts on his life through that. Um, And for me, we've, I've said it before is you can see where he, he's written his autobiography through this show at various points.
5: Mm
1: -hmm. So one thing, Oh, sorry,
4: Blake. Uh, yeah.
1: The, the other painful thing about the fact that it's Jerry Doyle playing Garibaldi in this scene, and this is actually related in JMS's book as well, and I won't say when, because we don't know when Mr. Garibaldi exits the show or does, doesn't, uh, is when he filmed his last scene, uh, there was drinking involved. And Jerry Doyle, just to spite JMS, drank in front of him because he wanted to show JMS that he doesn't have a problem and he doesn't need to be told he has a problem. And of course we lost Jerry Doyle to addiction uh, a couple decades later. So there's a lot of meta contextual stuff in this whole scene with Biggs and
5: Doyle. What did Biggs pass away from?
1: heart uh yeah, i don't know if it was, know, it was heart, heart disease but it was heart attack yeah, and it was but something. it
5: wasn't anything like addiction or alcoholic related no, no like um, that. so there was okay. there was a there was a
4: panel at phoenix comic con and i will not say who but one of the other actors in the show um was talking about people they had lost and one of them came up was richard biggs right and this actor was talking about how out of all of them you've got people on there who have used substances you've got you know jerry doyle you've got others who have you know eat like crap chain smoke do all this other stuff but biggs was the one who they said every morning was the first one up at the gym doing all the healthy stuff nicole pointed that out too you know lecturing all these other people and you know he had this heart condition that uh very unexpected like it was not known it was not a expected thing he passed rapidly or quickly and unexpectedly.
1: Yeah, he well, was actually guy, one of the. He was actually one of the first main cast members to pass. It was early two thousands.
5: I mean, I guess that first. kind of makes. I guess that kind of endears the actor to me more often because, like, I have a family member. My one of my uncles, uh, my oldest uncle, my dad's older brother, who uh, was in the air force, was fit, was you know an amazing like specimen of physical fitness, dropped dead of a massive heart attack at thirty four. It's insane. While in the while in the active military, so so yeah, okay, that's that's heartbreaking too.
7: Well, unknown heart issues are the number one killer for men and women, but more so women because yeah. the problem with heart issues is they come up and sometimes it's too late before you realize they're there. And I know this because I caught mine before they killed me. Yay! <laughs> but I've done a lot of research on it, and and yeah, like the the problem with heart issues is that sometimes you don't know you have them or they come up and, and it's too late basically so wow. definitely get your physicals every year people emily
1: you're up
6: <laughs> all right now i gotta try to remember what the hell i was gonna say i did like the interactions between garibaldi and franklin because garibaldi really was a good friend he was you know he could see franklin have a problem and was really trying to help him without trying to destroy his life in the process which isn't always easy or possible And I did find it interesting that he went to the other doctor because it seemed like he wasn't just trying to get information. He was also telling her, I see it too. And I'm going to try to get him help as opposed to like, you know, just give me the information. It seemed like he had concern for her too, because that was putting her in a bad work environment, you know. And he's like, yeah, I saw what happened. And we know this is a problem and I need your help. So, we can get him the help he obviously needs. And I, I thought that was an interesting way for him to go about it. Cause yeah, he could have, he was honest, he could just hack in the system and find it, but he needed her help to figure out where to look to make it easier. And I was kind of surprised she helped him a little bit. Like, she wasn't gonna give him the information, but it was kind of like, well, I can tell you anyway, cause you'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping we see more of her. I think she'd be an interesting addition to the group. Nicole? See, that's why I like my guy Garibaldi. He might be rough around the
7: edges. He might have made mistakes. He might be inappropriate at times. He might be a little bit hot-headed, but he genuinely has a heart of gold and he cares about people. And it's very clear throughout the seasons with his relationship with Jakar, with his friendship with Franklin, and just his, I just, I fucking love Garibaldi and I always stand for him. He's my
1: homie. Anybody else have anything want to add before we get into questions and predictions?
2: I just want to shout out the director on this episode, because I've referenced a couple of times that I really like the the style. Apparently, they storyboarded the beginning of the episode with the Vanova voiceover and the wipes um, between scenes, and I really thought that was well done, so... My hat's off to Jesus Salvador Trevino on this one, because I I really liked the way that this one was put together from a directorial standpoint.
6: Emily. So I know I've actually complained a lot because we've seen characters make poor decisions or not seeing what's right in front of their face because of emotions. And I feel like, obviously, that was the intent of the writing because that's what happens. We've all done it ourselves. You know, we've seen people we care about do it. And I thought it was actually done really well because watching it, it created that real feeling of frustration. Like, oh my God, how can you not see this? And you understand that, yes, they're very emotional. So they're not thinking rationally, but it doesn't negate how frustrating it is to watch it knowing that it's just not going to go well, particularly with um, Londo. Like you just walk right into his trap and there's no turning back. There's nothing you can do now. So I do think as frustrating as um, those situations were, I do think they were written incredibly well.
1: Now we will, before we just send our newbies out the airlock, get their questions and predictions. And remember they haven't watched anything past interludes and examinations. So they'll ask any lingering questions they may have and provide us any predictions they may have of what will come next. I already have Justin's question if the Kosh is speaking for all of Orlans. So let's go to Emily first. Questions and predictions.
6: Um, so first question, what is Kosh's ship's last duty? Cause it was mentioned- You saw it,
1: it flew into the star.
6: Oh, that's what was happening? Yeah,
1: it flew into a star. It was, it could, uh, uh, Ivanova said the ship cannot, or was it, yeah, Delenn or whoever said, the ship can't live on its own and it has one final task and it took, Kosh and dived into the star
6: Alrighty, that was not how i interpret that ending but that's a good clarification
1: it's poetic which um, problems, so
6: yeah where exactly is franklin going is he going to rehab is he going home to be with his family like do we have any idea because it seemed kind of vague no i
1: have winehouse in my head
6: um who is going to replace franklin obviously they need the chief of staff for the med lab Will Londo find out that Morden was actually the one who had Adira killed? And how exactly did they kill Kosh? I mean, we know he knew it was going to happen. It seemed like he allowed it to happen. But how did they actually do it? Because it looked like his encounter suit was all banged up and singed. But
1: brute force. Uh, JMS answered this in the Usenets and basically said. They just used their
6: little spidery legs. and
1: It was a fight and Kosh lost because he was outnumbered. So they beat the shit out of him and knocked him out of his encounter suit and kept beating the shit out of him. You even see Morden's face light up when actually the the suit cracks and it gets a lot brighter. So they just beat him.
6: Not knowing what form he was going to be in outside of the suit because the one time we've seen him, it was all kind of up to interpretation of who was looking at him. So I wasn't sure what the form was for them to actually attack.
1: Wouldn't that be a wonderful question for later?
6: I think that was a... Okay, we're moving
1: on. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
6: (sighs) Yeah, it kind of was, so, you know. I hate you so much right now. You know maybe I'll just quit, and then I can binge watch the rest of it and be happy, and it'll all be over.
1: You're never happy without me.
6: Mm, We could give it a whirl. (laughs) Do
1: you have any predictions?
6: Uh, No predictions. Thank
5: you. Justin, questions, predictions. With Kosh dead, what the fuck do they do now? We mentioned, even like delenn said in the episode, they're going to just send a, another Forlon to Babylon 5, and they're going to pretend like it's Kosh. So what is this imposter going to actually do? And honestly, I want to harken back to something I think maybe it was Emily said a long time ago about they're all like, Kosh will leave and then come back, leave and then come back. How do we know it's the same damn Forlon? Was that you Emily that like made that question or prediction a long time ago? maybe yeah, it was, but good question, yeah, honestly, like it's at that I, point like when when DeLynn said that, it kind of made me wonder, was it ever actually the same damn Kosh that came to the to to the station?
6: remember and what that would Kosh said the lack of training
1: remember what Kosh said too uh there are so few of us. You guys didn't didn't hit on that too much, but he said, there are so few of us.
6: Right.
5: But that's one thing that I kind of had a question about for that. And then, so are the shadows in control of Morden, or is Morton in control of shadows? Because that scene in the hallway where they wanted to come out and just straight kill Londo. And he's like, no, we need him alive. And they backed off. Like who's in control of that situation? Um, i'm gonna get people course, yelling at me
1: about meat puppets again blake it's gonna happen
5: <laughs> it is gonna happen
4: I'm gonna
1: get comments it is gonna happen people How are gonna yell at us from? again
5: for
4: those that would like to discuss meat puppets email <laughs> gray17podcast yeah. or you
1: can just throw in, in the comments below yeah just throw in yeah, the comments just below because the... i'm sure you're all gonna yell at us no matter what our answer is
5: if you have questions about meat puppets or centauri dildos please email us i would love to know your opinions but is Kosh actually truly dead? Because going back to the comment before about if if there were other warlords that happening the suit, which one may was actually Kosh? And is Kosh actually truly dead? He I don't was... know, because going to my prediction, I don't trust any of you fuckers anymore.
1: <laughs> I'm going I'm to I'm I'm throw one thing out, Justin, just to make your brain stew a little bit more. You assume Kosh is a pronoun.
5: OK, honestly, I get that. I get that. Because, honestly, so my prediction, I don't trust any of you fuckers anymore. <laughs> Angels. Because because you assholes have been gaslighting me for over a year.
3: That's very true.
5: So I honestly, you know what? Kosh may very well be alive somewhere, or a piece of him floats out in the ether, and I honestly don't know, and I'm just going to sit and shut my mouth. And watch and see what happens.
1: Well, and last thing, remember what Kosh <clears throat> slash daddy said. As long as you're here, a piece of I'm meat
5: here. You're here, too. Right. And so, goddamn you all, because I don't believe a thing anyone says anymore.
1: He also didn't say if mom was still stuck in the corner or not.
5: Right. And who puts baby in the corner?
1: No, corn, that not corner, corn, corn.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Nicole, questions, predictions. <laughs>
7: Um, are we going to see Franklin again and are the Vorlon going to be upset with Sheridan for pushing him to to get that fight started and also prediction I think Kosh is what all of the Vorlons are I don't think Kosh is one alien like one Vorlon I feel like it's like an entity or like they're all one the body is interchangeable who's in the encounter suit but it's all one collective being, if that makes sense. So I don't think Kosh is fully gone. I think Kash's influence will still remain with Sheridan, but I also think Kosh is like what you said, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a pronoun. I think maybe it's a collective, like very racist called Kash, and it's inter- like it's more of a spiritual thing as opposed to the body. It's more of a spiritual, like it's a higher power. So you can send
1: your marijuana to Nicole at Gray Seventeen Podcast at Gmail.
7: (laughs) No, gummies, gummies. I don't smoke. (laughs)
1: Okay. Edibles only, please.
7: (laughs) But anyways, yeah. I um but anyway, other than that, I think my only other
3: prediction is that we're gonna see the downfall of Lando continue. Jesse, I think that um everybody took all of my questions. My questions were like, Who replaces Franklin? who replaces kosh and but my prediction is now that kosh is gone lita is going to name their love child kosh jr and kosh jr is going to come back in the future and avenge his father
1: isn't that like the end of red dead redemption
5: (laughs) kind of
3: that sounds like some star wars shit
5: (laughs) So you Scott, honestly, Scott, you're 100 right.
1: I, know, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's spoilers, but that game's been out for like 20 years, so I can say. Right,
5: it, right. That's basically oh the end of Red God. Dead Redemption. That was that was honestly what I fucking thought.
1: I have a surprise for all of you. I wanted to throw out here on this episode. It's been a long run, and when you include the movies that are coming that we will review, this mm-hmm. episode is our halfway point. We are oh, officially oh, oh. at the peak of the mountain, and from here on out, aside from bonus episodes we may do, from here on out, we are walking down the mountain. This is the halfway point.
5: So is this you saying it just all, all goes downhill from here?
1: No, I, 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 I already told you that there are two episodes that go higher than this one. <laughs> that season. I think there's some great stuff ahead. Can I watch the cartoon yet? Uh, no, that would actually be the last movie you watch yeah. before the season fin- series finale, because, yeah, it literally takes place between the second to last and the last episode of the series. Yeah. Sorry. Apologize. Not really. So with that, we will leave our newbies behind until we get to next week's episode and those who are playing along, you know what's happening next. Now, we have decided that we are going to do War Without End. Part one and part two is one big episode. So we will be coming back next week to talk about both parts. I'm expecting we'll probably get some new folks joining us for that one. Just, Just a hunch. But we'll be back next week to talk about that with our newbies and our oldbies. Until then, be sure to click all the likes, subscribes, follows, leave reviews, join our Patreon, talk to us on Facebook and Twitter. Tell us why Emily is completely and totally wrong about that scene. Yep. And until next week, I have been Scott, and with me has been-
5: Justin.
2: Nicole. Blake. Emily. Jesse. And Kevin.
1: And if you know what happens next or you just don't care about spoilers, stick around after the credits, and we will talk all about these questions and predictions, including Cost Jr and his revenge
3: see ya
5: fucking beautiful
3: this podcast is my present
1: thank you for listening to gray 17 a babylon 5 podcast you can find all the places to listen to and watch this podcast at anchorfm slash gray 17 podcast or youtube.com at gray 17 podcast we want to hear from you so join the conversation at facebook twitter instagram youtube or patreon be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you are listening to or watching this podcast. Grey 17 is not affiliated with, and the podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube.
0: And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that, the truth.
1: Welcome back to Beyond the Rim. Again, final warning. There will be spoilers from here on out. We have Jess and the newbies, but we've also gained a Mike, who happened to not be with us when we were recording the main show, but has graced us with his presence. So welcome, Mike. And we'll get talking about... Everything else that we couldn't talk about before the newbies left about interludes and examinations. So before we get into the questions, predictions, guys, is there anything else you want to talk about with interludes and examinations that they didn't talk about?
8: Ah, I don't know Ugh. that any of the newbies picked up on the uh, very obvious Neil Game and uh, Sandman uh, cameo or homage that was uh, the Alien. Uh... I forgot what the race name, the names of the two alien races. It was something we hadn't heard of before. But the one with the trippy helmet, that is very clearly the the helm of Dream of the Endless from mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman's Sandman. There's Which, no doubt about it.
1: <laughs> no, no doubt. I mean, JMS actually hinted that too. And then, of course, Neil Gaiman and JMS go a long way. Neil Gaiman does the introduction to JMS's autobiography, and Neil Gaiman's going to be the only guy or any only person, to write an episode of B5 from here on out that's not named J. Michael Straczynski. So there's definitely some connections there.
8: Definitely fun. Definitely a fun little homage if if, uh, people weren't aware. there's Somebody's a fan of somebody.
1: And that ambassador's action figure is a little bit more expensive than most on eBay, so if anyone has an extra, let me know.
4: So I was going to bring up one thing that we didn't want to bring up in front of the newbies because we thought it might point them out just a little too much. But to a question and prediction that came up a while ago, um, when Babylon 5 broke away from Earth was were we going to see the League of Non-Aligned Worlds form up somehow as something else? And we start to see the groundwork of that here um, with the with them going on, trying to get the League to band together against the Shadows rather than their own little conflicts. Uh, so you get to see that uh, come up in this, uh, which is kind of that starting point, which will ultimately become the Interstellar Alliance that we see. It was interesting. None of them picked up on that. Um, And usually they try to find those little details. Well, I was going to say, arguably, it started when uh, different races were signing up
8: to participate in the rotating defense of B5. But yeah, definitely more of a full-fledged alliance in this episode. Do you have power? Show us power.
4: (laughs) (laughs) The alien mics talking about, aren't they also referred to the species as the game?
1: Yeah, they are the game.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Ah, Buddy,
1: I missed that. Yeah it's, yeah it's it's definitely jms tries to stay away from homages kinda unless your name is bester or neil gaiman and then he doesn't okay let's go ahead and dive into questions so our questions kind of break down between the three main characters of this episode franklin kosh and londo so let's go to franklin first and i know we were talking about this before we started recording a lot of our guys think that franklin's like done like this main character's just gonna leave. So the first question is, are we going to see Franklin again?
8: <laughs> Who has hurt you guys? <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. And it was JMS. Frank-
4: and Franklin, apparently. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, you know, I guess I could see it. I didn't really anticipate that though, but you know, that's just from our perspective having seen the show before. But walkabouts come in and I, I really think that they're going to enjoy that episode. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, we, we have. I mean, I guess that's what JMS has been going for. Is he's been trying to show you that sometimes characters that are in the opening credits don't come back. We've lost Keffer. We've lost uh, Talia, and now we've lost Kosh. For all we know, and so uh, losing Franklin's not so surprising. So I guess JMS has done his job. But I just find it funny that all these guys were like just rip roaring ready to go, that Franklin's gone.
8: He's the first one since the gathering that wasn't actually offed. So I guess it's true. something. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess technically clear, we don't. That don't, has its own. Yeah, as I was gonna say, technically we don't know if Talia actually got off or not. But she was dissected. You were last seen, yeah, with her being escorted off the station, very much alive.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll get our Sinclair answers next week. That's Stay true. Tuned. So, uh, next one is if Franklin's not going leaving forever, where is he going?
2: First, stroll just down below he's gonna be
1: cranky and tired much like me in the morning (laughs) but you know i have
6: that
4: momentary uh hookup with the singer
1: yes that's
4: a depressing episode thank you for that he'll also get laid in addition to being cranky
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then who will replace franklin nobody
4: Franklin a sober franklin will i think
1: i mean they they did kind of make it to where if this uh if this was going to continue that that dr hobbs would be potentially somebody who could take over and by the way she's named after a fan a dr hobbs who uh won a contest and so got her name in the show
8: it is it is kind of funny to me that they never really introduced a a backup or an assistant or anything that was like a reoccurring character for franklin
1: they've tried a couple times like that the the doctor who honestly i thought it was the same doctor though. uh when i forgot that it was not when we have believers uh that one who kind of pushes back on franklin she could have been a fun one to bring back now and then but they don't
8: yeah i guess that's what i'm saying is you know we had lou who reoccurred a couple of times for, for yeah. garibaldi and you know he was eventually kind of replaced with zach and mm-hmm. technically you've got corwin that's kind of like a second fiddle for for Ivanova, but, yeah. you know, you've kind of had a rotating stable of nurse and or doctor of the week uh, for Franklin, and it makes sense story-wise that they don't really have much of an option to replace Franklin because, well, they're not connected to Earth anymore, so they can't exactly just, like, go
2: surf resumes, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> go on Indeed. Find somebody.
2: guess you could go the TNG way and, you know, Introduce Doctor Salar in one episode, and then just refer to her for the rest of the series, and never show her again. <laughs> Anything so, would be better than the season two Doctor, but let's not go there. Oh, you yeah. know what? Okay,
1: <laughs> I, I swear I'm not a contrarian, Kevin, but Pulaski wasn't bad. She was. Oh, no, she's good. awful. She's, no, she bothered
4: bothered she's awful. Yeah, she Scott, you're right. Me. She wasn't bad. She sucked.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was she a retread was of McCoy. But she was bigoted towards data and it was just awful.
1: For one episode, data. Okay, let's keep on Babylon 5 here. So let's move into Kosh territory. And the first one is Kosh truly dead?
2: Oh yeah. Well, there's a piece of him in in Sheridan. So, yes, he's dead-ish.
1: Every time I hear that, I think Sheridan got an STD. Sheridan,
8: Sheridan is Kosh's horcrux.
4: <laughs> oh, God, we just brought in another franchise. Yeah, we did. He yeah, but... Kept uh, him, like the scar on his cheek from it. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> so, Kosh will be referenced. Kosh is spirit, soul, whatever will potentially be referenced. And, of course, because of timey-wimey travel, we will see Kosh again a couple more times. Specifically, we'll see him at the end of War Without End. We just won't have him referenced. And we'll see him in in the beginning. So we'll see some Kosh action again. And then I quote Justin here when it comes to Kosh being dead. What the fuck do they do now?
2: Get another Kosh. (laughs) Yeah. get purple Kosh. Going to Mm -hmm. still serve a purpose a couple of times. And the Vorlons will still pretty much be the vorlons and they're their big pains in the ass who finally the newbies will eventually realize how how truly bad the the race of vorlons are yeah, even how they're kosh not the good, good, good guys good. yeah
4: <laughs> so so what's going to happen to justin you know now that kosh won, 1 1.0 has been taken out what's going to happen to justin when he gets kosh 2.0 only to get kosh 2.0 taken out oh he was
2: going to hate kosh 2.0 even if Kosh 2.0 wasn't a jackass, but he is, so he's going to hate his guts, I'm sure. The
1: nice thing about Kosh 2.0 is when you, you feel bad when our Kosh dies. When Kosh 2 dies, it is badass, and you cheer. <laughs> right. It's also, I, I, I made this, this reference in the main show, uh, is uh, the newbies haven't seen the full Vorlon form yet. We see that when we kill Kosh 2.0. Mm-hmm.
8: I just find it kind of funny. It's like, well, you know, let's let's be real. Like, the Vorlons are, are mysterious and whatnot, but, like, okay, Kosh jumped out of his suit and rescued Sheridan once, but, like, what are they going to do without Kosh? Like, really? They, he hasn't really done that. Much,
1: yeah. I think what Justin was referencing was that Kosh pointed out that Sheridan had to be trained, and we haven't seen all of the training, there hasn't been any really good montages. And then also that Kosh flat out says that Sheridan will die, which we know he will when he goes to Zaha Doom, but they don't know how that works yet. So mm-hmm.
2: It's interesting. I didn't want to say this during the full show. Uh, I'm not sure why, but I, I definitely didn't want to uh, risk anything.
1: You didn't want but to pull a Kevin, right?
2: Right. But it's <laughs> it's interesting to me that that um, GMS was going to always was going to kill off Kosh, but he's going to do it later. Yes. Much yes. you know closer to the end of this season, and there was going to be a you know kind of a more involved assassination deal, you know, from the Shadows. And he he said many times that the characters will sometimes talk in his head, and he couldn't get away from the fact that Kosh was telling him to kill him during this particular episode. Mm-hmm. And so as he was writing it, he couldn't escape that thought process and decided that this is how it would work but it's it's it seemed like it was a little early i thought perhaps there should have been a little bit more um scenes with sheridan and kosh that would have allowed there to be a little bit more of a uh emotional tread for our thread for this, but I, I think it was well done the way that it was, but I think perhaps it would have made more sense um a little bit later. But you know that I'm not gonna second guess JMS.
8: No, but I mean I I'll say this too, because I didn't get to share my, you know, initial thoughts on the episode because I was lost in hyperspace. But uh I kind of agree, and that's kind of my takeaway from this whole episode is is I do like this episode, but in general this episode feels like one that is i'm not going to say that that it is itself rushed but i feel like the events that take place here are pushed forward further than maybe i would have done hmm. or or you know especially like i and i realize it's it's probably as much about the medium as anything like if if this was a straight up novel, you know, there would be many more chapters that came before this in which, you know, the shadows declare open war and then everybody languishes and suffers for a while. And and you get more Kosh, Kosh and Sheridan mm-hmm. interaction to build upon the feelings when you reach this point where we're at a crisis, we have to take some kind of drastic action to pull other races together we have to take some kind of drastic action kosh making a big sacrifice and ultimately getting snuffed for it you know it this being pushed so far forward after the events that have that, that we've seen just just did leave me not not unhappy but it just left me feeling a little wobbly about the whole thing like none of it had quite the weight that it should have had
2: I totally agree, Mike. I really do.
1: You know, I wonder, because at this point, PTN is not doing well. It will continue B5 for another season, season four. But I wonder when JMS had to make the pivot and start doing the hitting the gas more than he thought. Because the Shadow War isn't sub- and the, the Earth War aren't supposed to end until at the end of season five. Mm-hmm. But because he didn't know if he was going to get a season five. Yep. He had to start moving forward. He absolutely sped up season four, without a doubt. Uh, but this could be a potential there, too, where he was trying to speed things up. I don't I don't have as big of an issue with it, because I think sometimes the problem is that plans don't go well. And Kosh's plan was to train Sheridan and, and to get him prepared to fight Shadows, and he couldn't. But also in that same vein, if Sheridan had had that time with Kosh, then we would have been going on the same plan that Vorlon's always had. Sheridan is the first one to break the plan. So in yep. doing that, he sped up the timeline. So I get uh, – writing-wise, I completely understand where you guys are coming from. But story-wise, it doesn't really upset me too much.
8: Yeah, and like I said, I, I think it is maybe as much about the medium as anything because as, as you said, with with the next season maybe being uncertain – there's a rush to push things forward, to wrap up, conclude the, to, 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 uh, what is it they say at, at my job, do the needful, <laughs> you yeah. do the needful, you cut mm-hmm. the fat, you push things ahead, you trim, you, you, you know, you, you wrap mm-hmm. up as much as you can, as quickly as you can, because you don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow or not. Mm-hmm. And the other side of it is from a viewer perspective, you know, you walk a fine line between holding an audience captive and getting them emotionally interested or boring them to death to where they just stop watching because the story doesn't advance fast enough to keep it you mean
1: Battlestar galactica season four what
8: Uh, (laughs) yes
1: now you can send your hate mail too okay
8: uh (laughs) i don't think anyone's gonna send you hate mail about that no (laughs) oh
1: i don't know there's some there's some diehard bass i mean i think justin's one of them justin i think is a huge bsg fan he is he and I have had talks about season four.
4: <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Uh, I mean, I like it too, but I I agree season four has issues. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course.
1: I'm actually doing a rewatch right now. And I think after the uh, leave new Caprica, it, the, it just runs into a brick wall. So about one third of the way through season three.
8: Yeah. Well, that's a little bit of a different problem though. Cause we had the writer's strike during that time period. And so there's a, there's mm-hmm. a lack of clear vision where the show is going versus a, this is just getting boring because we're padding the crap out of it.
1: So like Lost, okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, Lost
8: <laughs> is definitely the uh, the first scenario where. Oh, you guys want we us to know go where for this five is
1: seasons when we had three <laughs> planned? Sure, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. Multi dimensions, okay. <laughs> Be five. So also, Justin asked if uh, anyone else noticed, and we did rib him a little bit for this one does anyone else notice that when Kosh talks he has multiple voices and we're like he, since the gathering yes and so he's asking does kasha's voice uh, uh speak for all the vorlons at once or are they basically a hive mind
8: no i mean we find out later that this kosh was kind of the outlier among what the will of the rest of the vorlons really wanted so that right there tells you that no yeah. they're they might be telepathically connected in some way shape or form but they're not a single hive mind
1: yeah and we do know they're connected to their ships but that's about it but i do it is telling and i kind of remind the newbies about this on the show is kosh does say there are so few of us left there aren't many vorlons out there
8: well, like I said, it might be possible that they are psychically connected in some way because at the end of the episode, you know, Ivanova tells Sheridan, well, the Vorlons found out Kosh is dead somehow. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't send him a voicemail, but... <laughs> so there, there is something to that, but um, I would like to gaslight Justin and tell him that Kosh is actually a colony of worms living inside of the <laughs> And I think he'd buy it if you looked. Because they did a couple of close ups of Kosh's, like, I don't know, eyeball Mm optical thing. Yeah. He's He's a bunch of amoebas just floating around in
1: there. So, along those same lines with the Vorlons, are the Vorlons going to be upset that Kosh is dead? Yes.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to be real happy.
1: The Vorlons are going to get gradually more and more upset as we go along to a point where sooner or later, the Vorlons will start attacking planets that have been touched by the shadows which as we learned in this episode with the game and the other ambassador the shadows have touched almost every world and so the vorlons just decide it's time to clean up house which i was going to say something about the uh the new movie but i'll leave it alone because some people may have not seen it yet
2: don't they say at one point that it's been eons since any of the vorlons have died so they really didn't know how to Mm. kind of deal with that
1: i think so because kosh even says here too you know i got accustomed to living
4: right (laughs)
1: What will impostor Kosh or Kosh two point or all Kosh all do when he gets to the station?
2: Well, he's kind of a dick. So, so what are they referring to? Because they don't
8: know yeah, that's the new know. coming. No,
1: no, they do. In the in the episode, Ivanova flat out says the Vorlons are going to send somebody else, and they want people to assume right, it's
8: okay. Kosh. Uh, okay. Okay, yeah, I guess that why. Right.
1: Yeah, because they say, well, Kosh just, you know, randomly disappears for weeks on end, so we'll just say that new Kosh is Kosh. Claudia Christian
4: gave them another spoiler.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this one was in the script, though, so it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he and Kevin's right, he's a dick. He is going to be somebody who truly believes in the plan, which is the Shadows and the Vorlons play in the sandbox, and whoever survives, survives for the next cycle. And... He's going to get his ass killed because uh, uh, Sheridan's got to get him off the station. And and that's a fun episode to watch a Vorlon die.
2: I have a question. So Kosh, knowing that the shadows were going to kill him for his for his actions or the Vorlon's actions, I guess, doesn't that point to there being some sort of unwritten understanding between the shadows and the Vorlons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they usually
1: don't get involved with each other. They let each other play. Like we, 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 had that with, uh, was it, um, coming of shadows? I think question mark where Morden and his shadow buddies kind of beat up Kosh just a little bit, give him a little dent, right? Because Kosh pushed back on them trying to play with the, the earthlings. They're not for you.
8: Yeah, I mean, it does kind of seem like maybe there's a little bit of a gentleman's agreement that's formed over eons.
4: Mm -hmm. And I also look at it a little bit if you pull in, I mean, we know JMS has pulled in historical allegories into B-5 as well. Mm -hmm. Look at some of the proxy wars between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. I mean, we never engaged directly with each other, but we sure as hell interfered with other, and both sides did.
1: You're talking in past tense as we're sending more and more Weapons (laughs) Weapons <laughs> to Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Didn't say the problems that it resolved. No, yeah, we it's, it's just it's these... not past tense. Yeah, you, you've got you know NATO and Russia playing with each other via Ukraine. Uh, but you know, looking at the Middle East of some of the issues there between the Soviet Union and, and the U.S., Afghanistan mm-hmm. being an example, and others. So you've seen this even in current yes. past in current history. So
1: mm-hmm.
4: good point. You determine you know who's the shadows and who's the Vorlons between the U.S. and the Russians, though.
1: Oh, this should be a great Rorschach chest. (laughs) Say in the comments, kids. We'll see who's who. (laughs) Okay, so now we're done with Kosh until we get to predictions, but we have some Morden and Londo questions. So will Londo find out if it was Morden who killed Adira, which it absolutely was Morden who killed Adira.
8: Are you you saying that we have Morden to talk about?
1: That's (laughs) a dad joke of the night. Good job.
8: Thanks. (laughs)
1: You have nothing to add, just no, as that. that just... was
8: it. Sorry. I'm Excellent.
1: On. Yeah, Londo will find out. One, Londo will off. find out. He's still going to take out Rifa just because he fucking hates Rifa, but he will find out about Morden as well too.
4: And it will be a great episode when he does. Yes. Yes. I think he finds out though
2: after the the uh, killing of Rifa incident. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: but okay. he still, you know, he he still enjoys killing Rifa. Well, it doesn't yeah.
2: really matter. Yeah, he doesn't regret that. No, you know, why would you?
1: <laughs> are the shadows in control of Morden? Oh, God, here it comes. Yep. You can start sending your comments in right now, down below on YouTube. Go for it. I know you will. Are the shadows in control of Morden or vice versa?
2: Oh, are you talking about the whole meat puppet thing? Yes, because
1: Morden yeah, does... Yeah, he's a meat
5: puppet.
1: Well, but the shadows do say we should kill Londo now, in their shadow speak, and Morden says, no, we need him alive. So Morden at least has some agency some doesn't mean he's not being controlled though he's
8: just a shadow in a man suit and yeah i don't oh i don't think he's that i think he
1: is like a human but you think he's actually like just a shadow in
4: a man suit i i kind of lean that direction
1: really that's a new one i I always figured like he was a zombie morden
4: well i was going to kind of go that same way because we've we've already seen you know the vorlon can put their spirit into people we've seen that we've seen kosh do it with We know Sheridan has a portion of Kosh. But I'm thinking, uh, what's the old man's name, Zahadum? Is it Justin? Is that the...
1: Yeah, I call him Mark Twain, but yes.
4: Mark Twain, according to Scott. You know, you've got the old man, Zahadum, who has human form, but appears to be talking as some sort of spokesman or, I don't want to say leader, but someone of some authority within the shadow. So I'm wondering if they can't also pull that same trick like the Borlons do.
1: Yeah, I don't and, see it that way. And Go
4: occupy, ahead. I mean, and he's definitely a meat puppet. He's not this is not Morden, but there could be some agency as far as planning with, mm-hmm. you know, subordinate shadows who are take their orders versus the ones pulling the strings on the meat puppet. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I don't see them as being shadows themselves or the I, I see the shadows whispering in their ears. It's, even with Justin, I think it's been a while since I watched Zaha Doom and we'll see it here in a few months, but I think even Justin kind of turns his head every now and then like listening to what they're telling him to say but Justin does also say they basically get put on ice until they're needed so I, that's where I think that they kind of you know when they need somebody they pull them out mothballs they stick them in there and they let them go
8: yeah well, see I'm I'm reading that as they pull out a, a suit out of the back closet mm. and hop in <laughs>
1: Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what everyone else thinks. So put your comments. And if you're listening on Spotify, by the way, you can make comments as well, too. If you're listening on Apple, you're just SOL. Sorry. But on Spotify, you can make comments. But please leave Apple reviews still. Please, please, please. Let's move into predictions now, guys. And the one we already answered, and that is prediction. All Vorlons are one entity, and it is a collective of one Kosh.
8: Nah. Nah. Kind of already put that one to bed, unless you want to go with my worms theory.
1: No, I don't think the worm theory, but I do think that there is some kind of telepathic or quantum entanglement going on to where they can talk to each other and feel each other. But they're definitely single or uh, independent entities. <gasps> they're Jedi. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, God, no. we're not
2: <laughs> so that means that Kosh
1: Jr. must uh, come to power. No, we're not only doing Only bloodlines no, work.
2: No, I'm saying no.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm going to say one thing, Kevin, and you'll no, be fine. I'm not, I'm, no. not com- I'm not going to comment on you, Kevin, I promise. Oh, the, the single most powerful scene in Star Wars, single most powerful scene in Star Wars for me, Here we go. and I'm 100% serious when I say this, is the little kid who uses the Force to pick up the broom, because that tells me anyone can use the Force, and the rebellion is growing, and then they fucked it up with Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. The end. Okay, now that Kosh is gone, Lena will name her son Kosh Jr., and he will come back for revenge. As for the record,
4: lot... we don't know what the fuck this person was on either when they asked. Actually...
1: <laughs> <laughs> they still think that Lita has Kosh's baby in her.
8: No, <laughs> like this, is, just no this is not Kill Bill. Uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I said Red Dead Redemption because that literally is the last like 15 minutes of Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> You meet the guy at the water and you shoot him. But yeah, no, so Lita does not have Kosh's son. There is no Kosh Jr. But Lita is going to be very upset that Kosh is gone, and it's going to move her character along in ways that sometimes are good and sometimes are not, depending on how you feel about Byron. <laughs> Anything <laughs> else you guys want to add about interludes and examinations?
2: Is this the the time when Londo gets played the most during... Hmm during the series I think so yeah I think so too because he
1: actually was full tilt like I'm not working with the shadows anymore and he was actually winning right Rifa had stopped talking to Morden because Rifa's scared for his life the Centauri are pulling back and not fighting everybody and Londo is still gaining power without the shadows so he is still on his path to Emperor one way or the other and Morden changes all that with one vial of poison
2: yeah he really plays him pretty perfectly from a you know sinister stand, standpoint.
8: Yeah, and it was all coincidence. Am I not am I wrong? Like it didn't it didn't seem as though Morden knew anything about Madeira no. being there. Before no, he, he had to go to there. the
1: flower guy yeah. and say, "Hey, I, I missed the meeting. What's going on?" <laughs>
4: Which okay, the way, so the, guys. On, the way they all pick up on all nine things though. Why none of them decided to pitch a fit about a shop owner giving away someone's personal details? I was waiting for that. I honest to god was waiting. Blake, that. <laughs>
1: like, that's because you work for a state government and so you know all about PII.
4: That's it
8: because we've all been victims of exactly that at some point. <laughs>
1: But yeah, no, I mean it's it's uh, just a happenstance that Dira was arriving at that time and Morden was there at that time. Although, I assume Morden's on the station. Morden, he's not at this point. But yeah, it's it's all happenstance that this happened when it did. Londo, Londo is Londo.
8: How many other agents does does Morden have aboard B five? No, like we saw question. we saw at least what two three this episode alone.
1: He's got his own oh. little his own little mob working yeah, they let him, they
8: less they sneak yeah. him on they yeah Well,
1: and i think that kind of answers the question there too blake i mean he's willing to off that guy and get his diamonds back which means he's got other people he can rely on so they're mm-hmm. expendable which means there's a lot of them
4: and he doesn't have infinite diamonds
1: <laughs> oh, <I
4: don't> <laughs> got a limited supply of sparkly shit
1: when you're a million year old uh race you can have all the gems and jewels you want I'm going back now to Chrono Trigger where you take the Moonstone and you put it back in the past and it becomes the Sunstone when you get back. No one knows what you're talking about. Oh, Chrono Trigger is just a great game. <laughs> great game. Okay, guys. I think that wraps it up for this episode. Of course, as I mentioned already, next week is going to be a double feature. We're going to be doing More Without End, parts 1 and two because we didn't want to force the newbies to have to wait a week so we'll be talking both those episodes together next week and i'm sure we'll have a little bit of questions and predictions to talk about after that episode i've been scott and with me has been mike
2: kevin and blake
1: be sure to like all the buttons click on all the subscribes i know only half of you are still subscribed so subscribe And be sure to leave us a review and join us in the conversation. And if you want to join us in our Discord where we do talk spoilers, you can join our Patreon. Until next week when we do some time traveling for the second of three times in this series now, we will uh, see you then.
8: Tune in to listen to Jesse explode.
1: (laughs) She loves time travel.
4: (laughs) Hey, we gave her a book on it, so hopefully she's up to speed.
1: And I'll do what I always do when I watch this episode is I will watch Babylon Squared and then immediately watch War Without End Parts Mm -hmm. 1 and 2. Good point. How I do it. And there's only two points in Babylon Squared where they don't line up. And it's, you know, that's pretty impressive for shooting things three years apart. So.
2: And having major changes to the the makeup of the show. Yeah. See y'all. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Anything I can do to help? Um... Short of dying? No. Can't think of a thing because <laughs>